Welcome into the Power Alley. If you're familiar with the podcast, I'm your host, Pat Malacaro. We at the Bisons hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy as the coronavirus pandemic continues to have its effect on us, not only here in Western New York, but across the world. And we hope to see you at the ballpark very soon. As we await the start of baseball this season, let's take a look back at some of the great moments in the history of the Bisons' modern era. On this episode of the Power Alley Podcast, we'll take a look back at some of the great moments in the month of April over the Bison's modern era that started in 1985. But before we do that, it's time for a conversation with the new general manager of the Buffalo Bisons. In case you missed it at the start of March, the Bisons were proud to announce that president of Rich Baseball Operation Mike Butchkowski would be handing over the role of general manager of the herd to Anthony Sprague, who has served as the assistant general manager for the past several seasons. Not only will Anthony now be the new general manager of the herd, but also Brad Bisbing, the director of marketing and public relations, will also now hold the title of assistant general manager. Our congratulations to Brad and Anthony on their new roles within the Bisons baseball organization. And right here in the power alley, I had a chance to catch up with our new GM and get his thoughts as we think about and plan for what hopes to be baseball this summer here in downtown Buffalo. We talk about community and what day-to-day life has changed for all of us, and not just looking at sports, but just in our day-to-day life and how we're kind of all in this together. And I think that really holds true uh, now even more so. Every day kind of poses a new challenge because every time you believe or you think that you've got this whole thing figured out and you know what's going to happen, something else changes. There's there's a new wrinkle put in, a new timeline put in where um, it's kind of become now. I, I've, I've just tried to push things off as much as I can in my mind to say I'm not going to know what is going to happen or what's going on um, for a few weeks here and just have really tried to, to become at peace with that, knowing uh, you know, that it's out of my control, it's out of our control. All we can do is, is try and have that delicate balance between getting ourselves and getting everything ready for opening day um, that could be a month away it could be two months away um, and we don't we don't know so it's it's really kind of a, an odd, odd situation for sure what can sports do and represent I think has a big bearing on a lot of what we're seeing now whether it be from major league baseball or other leagues uh, the ideas on how to restart their league you think back to 9-11 and the impact that baseball in the city of New York had when the Yankees went to the World Series, it kind of gives you the feeling that everything's going to be okay and everything is going to return to normal. And I think right now, a lot of what we see is people wondering when that will be. And sports, I think, plays a big part in that. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, when sports tells us it's okay, it was sports telling us that this is not okay as well too i think that night um when we were in spring training and that happened with the the nba shut everything down that was the oh my god moment that i think when we look back on this that'll be the where were you when this happened and it was going to be where were you that night when you saw the nba shut down and the domino effect just completely went down the line right after that um and it took sports to probably raise everybody's eyebrows on it because it was, you know, life is going on. Yeah, there's this this whole thing is happening and, and travel's being 
uh, questioned and a lot of different things are, are, are being changed in normal life stuff. But the, the release that everybody had that you talked about sports was put to a halt that night. And that I think really made everybody say, Oh my God, this is much, much, much bigger than we ever had imagined it was going to be. Um, and I think on the, on the tail end of it, um, if sports told us it wasn't okay, um, I think sports will tell us when it is okay. So I think that's what everybody's kind of waiting on is when is, you know, if the NBA was the first group to really shut down, when's the NBA going to start back up? Uh, when is uh, Major League Baseball going to say something about, hey, okay, this is, the, this is when we're going to start playing again? Because I think when those things happen, those are going to be the circumstances when, people really truly start to believe okay we're getting through this thing and and until that happens um i think we're going to be in this kind of um, wait and see approach until those things start to start to fall i think inevitably one of the questions fans will ask us the most is what does a season look like for minor league baseball and how does minor league baseball and the bisons decide when to play and how to play and i think when we talk about it i think the easiest answer anthony is we take our guidance from Major League Baseball. Yeah, and 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 Major League Baseball is taking their directive from the CDC and the states and the and the federal government. So it's uh, it's really this domino effect of when are these uh, bans going to be lifted and when's everyone going to feel comfortable to say yes, we're we're willing to have people at our ballpark. So you know we're everyone's kind of waiting waiting for the next one, and you know obviously we're gonna doesn't matter what the, the NBA or NFL or hockey. MLS, anyone else does, for us, we're going to keep a close eye on Major League Baseball, knowing that those are our players, and if they say um, whatever date is, is going to be their opening day, um, you know, we're most likely going to be following them along those lines, and a time probably to be determined, but, um, you know, a week or two, something after them, hopefully the quicker the better, but um, that'll be our first kind of sign to say okay there's their date we know we're not going to be too far back so let's go let's 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 run downhill let's out everything that we kind of pause to get ready for the season we've got you know weeks here to to get it done and to get ready for our fans for those fans that might not know you pitch collegiately and have been pitching competitively pretty much your your entire life through college have any of those experiences helped shape you and teach you things that you take now into the role as general manager uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there's there's a, I mean, you know, we've played uh, rounds of golf together and, and been around each other, so my competitive nature is uh, is pretty fierce um, in, in anything. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, people in the office and certainly at home as well, too, uh, they would like it if I wasn't as competitive as I am in most circumstances. But, um but I think that drive to always succeed and if there's something going on that is getting in our way of being successful to, to question that and to challenge it and to see, okay, well, if that's, if that's not working, why are we doing it that way? Is there a better way to do it? Um, and that drive to, to just always achieve whatever goal you set out before the year got going. Um, to hit that goal and achieve that goal. And every day you're working hard um, to get that goal, you know, whether it was, um, you know, 
10 p.m. midnight practices in college to because you know you needed the field house at different times and and really trying to to work hard at that or you know the October November conversations with partners to try and get those partnerships done and renewed earlier um, so you have more time to do uh, other things later on it's the earlier you can you can get things done and prepare yourself the better you're going to be for that year um, and no matter what you do no matter how many hours you put in advance um, you're going to look back halfway through the year and you're going to wish that you worked harder in the off season um, no matter what you're doing and, and it's always that drive to when you're in the off season and um, you know, you want to maybe spend a little bit more time at home. Um, you're, you know, it's, there's nothing as pressing as it is in, in March and April to do something. It's to make sure that you go and you take that extra step to say, no, 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 I want to, let's get this set now because I'm going to need more time to worry about something else later on. What are maybe some of the new challenges that you're looking forward to things you may not have dealt with in the past that things that you're looking forward to and things you may not have had to worry about before? Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the, I, I knew these, I knew these things all existed, um, but I had, you know, the, the inner workings of them, uh, I never, you know, not that I didn't uh, care about them, but I, it was, I had other things to worry about. So, you know, now, when I look at our, it used to be when I looked at our schedule, I'd look at home games and say, "Ooh, geez, that's a good weekend." Oh, that there, that weekend could be Star Wars night and their school kids' day. Again, coming much from the sales side. Now I'm starting to look at it and say, "Okay, uh, all right, we come from Pawtucket that night, and we're coming into you know a home game there. Okay, what 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 time will that game get over? What time will the team be coming back? What time will they get in? Are they going to take BP?" that day so my focus has widened a little bit now i still you know just inherently look at the schedule and think you know hey how is that for parties and and groups and um you know suites and and all those different things that my mind still goes there but now it's it's kind of expanded out in the focus now where um i think maybe you know a little bit more like you do now like what's the travel like and and you know i need to care about um, more people and what the schedule does and, and can't just be uh, focused on just one thing and one thing only if there's a, this, you know, the travel and everything and uh, player personnel and, and how we deal with the affiliate, all these things matter a lot more. Um, to me now because I'm much more responsible for them. just want to ask you about your relationship with Toronto and how that relationship with the Blue Jays front office has kind of developed and how that continues to shape the way you approach your job now as the GM. Yeah, I mean, especially now, um, you know, we've been partners with them for so long and and that relationship is such a a two-way relationship and a true partnership that um, it, it really bodes well for for both of us it's not a one-way street at all now there's other certain things that we like probably more than they like and and vice versa you know they love the ability that they can make a call in the morning and say hey we need a guy up here and in an hour and a half two hours uh, they can have that guy ready to go for that game tonight Um, you know and and we have we love the ability to um, you know be able to call them and say hey you know, we have a we have an important sponsor that's going up to the game. Uh, anyway, we can get him on the field and have him for a batting practice. Uh, 
um, experience or something like that. And really having that ability um, for both of us to build this relationship and have such a strong um, affiliation with them really, really just shows, you know, what we were missing all these years, I think maybe. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, as we move forward with the widely discussed uh, PBA agreement that um, we're going to be with them for years and years to come. I'll wrap up on this. And I just, I got to ask you, because I'm sure uh, some people may have this thought, some people that have known you for years that uh, have been around the ballpark. Were you nervous at all the first time you had to go into the manager's office and, and discuss a rain delay and, and what might be if, if the game had to be postponed this year? That, that had to be a, a little bit of a, a nervous experience, even if it was something you were prepared for. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, specifically, the, you know, the good thing was with Mike, uh, he brought me into that slowly and, you know, it went from me going with him, seeing how those conversations went. And, you know, with Bobby Meacham, you know, you, you know, Bobby, well, he's a very easy guy to talk to and uh, was very much, hey, what, are, what you guys want, want us to do here, what we need to do, we'll do. Um, the, you know, there's this past year, I think there was a, a couple tricky ones in, in April when, uh, you know, it was, it was on my shoulders and, you know, we were right on the brink of freezing temperatures, but there was no rain. So that was a little bit of a tricky one. I was probably the, very nervous about that one. And then the, you know, the infamous uh, fog game from last year where, um, you know, Mike was, uh, he was at one of our other affiliates um, ballparks and, you know, the fog came rolling, rolling in and, and we couldn't see. And I remember kind of being down in the near the dugout at that time and them calling, calling the game off and me kind of looking around like, okay, all right, fog. I'm going to have to go read up on that one. Cause I don't remember exactly what the fog rules here, you know, rain I'm pre prepared for fog kind of caught me off guard. So um, yeah, as much as you can prepare for something, and you, you feel good about it, you feel ready when that time comes that everyone's looking to you and, you know, this game is going to be played or not because of what you're going to say is, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a, you know, you got to swallow your stomach a little bit to make that decision because, you know, in two hours you could, the, the skies could clear or the skies can open up and whatever decision you made, um, is the wrong one and we know how easy it is to predict weather especially in buffalo um, so that is a you know there's never an easy decision and it, it is nerve-wracking to go ahead and, and make that call um, it's easy to easy to say it and i've said it for years on the sidelines you know what are we doing why aren't we playing why are we playing um, but now when it's the decision is yours it's it is much harder for sure well, so if that, so if anyone sees me at the ballpark and it's raining um, on that day and they know that I'm trying to make this decision, just take it easy on me, please. <laughs> I'll do my best, too, as I know I, I tend to burn up your phone while we're, we're texting back and forth. Hopefully you don't have to make too many of those decisions this year. Hopefully you have to make that decision soon, though. Uh, I was going to say, I, I would, at this point where we, where we sit, I would gladly have love to make that decision. Our thanks again to Anthony for joining us here in the Powell Rally Podcast. I look forward to checking in with Anthony in the future, and I hope that you see both Anthony and myself in the concourse and say hi this summer at Salem Field. Well, as we know, the 2020 season was scheduled to begin this Thursday, April the 9th, as the Bisons were scheduled to be in Moosic, Pennsylvania, taking on the scranton wilkes Railriders. In honor of what would have been the start of the 2020 season, 
Let's take a listen to some of the great moments in the month of April during the team's modern era, including some of the familiar names in recent Bison history. Let's start with April the 9th and go back three years to what turned out to be the second day of the season in the 2017 calendar. The Herd began the season at home against Granton Wilkesbury one day earlier with a 4-2 win over the Rail Riders. The two teams would then play a doubleheader on Sunday the 9th that included a walk-off in Game 1 of the Twin Bill. 1-2. High and deep out to left field. Williams back through the track, looking up, and it's gone! Christian Lopes belts his first of the season to walk it off for Buffalo. How about that? He got one slider too many. He hung that one, and Lopes made him pay a towering drive into the screen and left. Oh, my goodness. Just like that, the Bisons turn it around. Christian Lopes was just one of the new Bisons that joined the team at the start of the season after working his way up through the Blue Jays organizational ladder. And in game two of the doubleheader, fans were introduced to Jason Lovelabijan. He belted a home run in the first of what was many in an all-star season and after the game helped recap the series sweep with the new group of Bison players. You're surprised how well the ball carried here the first two days being only April and only a couple days into the season? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, you know, you always hear throughout the minors that Buffalo kind of plays big, but, you know, we've hit some home runs and I'm not going to complain about it. And uh, can you take me through your at-bat in the fifth inning of that home run the opposite field? You know, really just looking for something up, trying to be aggressive. Uh, I think there was two outs at the time. Parmley got on, so it's kind of a make-or-break situation there. Hopefully you just get a good pitch up in the zone and do some damage with it, and I kind of stuck with it. You get the walk-off win in the first game, and you get the come from behind after giving up a couple runs early. What can that mean this early in the season for a team still finding its way? Absolutely. Like you said, it's really early in the season, but just to see us not giving up and grinding out at bats, keeping the line moving. Even if we're not hitting the ball hard, we're getting guys on base and moving them. You know, those are things you just hope continue throughout the year and just grow off of that. And so uh, it's always fun to play on a team that never gives up like that. Appreciate it, Jason. Congratulations on the wins today. Thank you very much. Not only would Leb Labijan be one of the anchors for Buffalo at third base in 2017, but also garnered all-star honors in his follow-up campaign in 2018. April the 14th, 1988 is a date Bison's fans will remember as the rebirth of baseball downtown as local and state officials joined Bob and Mindy Rich at then Pilot Field for the first game in the new jewel that the herd would still call home as Salem Field today. The Bisons moved from the rock pile to Pilot Field by welcoming the Denver Zephyrs and Bob Patterson delivered the game's first pitch at 2.34 in the afternoon. So ready for the first pitch in the history of Pilot Field as Bob Patterson will deliver to Billy Ray Bates. First pitch underway, swung on and missed. The umpires, Jack Ojo at home, Charlie Relliford at first, Tom Halliott at second, Pam Postema over at third base. The lefty made quick work of Denver early on to allow the only run of the game to come off the bat of Tom Prince in the bottom of the third. Jewel pitch ripped deep to left field. Standing up back there is Walters. This ball is gone. Put Tom Prince down the history books. He rips his first of the year. The Bisons are out in front. One nada. The backstop's home run helped Buffalo win one to nothing over the Zephyrs that afternoon, while Patterson gave up just four hits in eight and a third innings pitched. It was a gem by the lefty that sent the capacity crowd home happy some 32 years ago. 
2013 marked the first year of what is now an eight-year affiliation with the Toronto Blue Jays. The first few weeks of the affiliation brought along strong offensive performances. None bigger than the one that took place in Syracuse, where Western New Yorker Jim Negrich helped lead the team to a 27-9 thumping of the Chiefs on April the 18th, 2013. Not only did Negrich provide the offense, but outfielder Moises Sierra collected six of the team's 29 hits in the win. 3-2 pitch, line towards the line in right field, Costanzo on the run, dives and he can't get it. It'll roll all the way to the wall. Negrich is in from third. Sierra speeds around second. He's digging for third. The relay throw by Rimes will not be in time as Sierra slides in. He pops up with an RBI triple. The pitch, and off the fist, it's punched into right center field, down for a base hit. A solid line drive for Moises Sierra. Wide turn around first base, and he'll scamper back with his second hit of the day. Nice two-out knock. He deals. Curveball in the air to center field. Coburnus steps to his left, fights the sun. This one drifting back, and it's over his head. Tagging a third, and that ball is, it's ruled a catch or no? It's not ruled a catch, or is it? Moises Sierra said that ball dropped. Now the base umpire, John Burns, said that that pitch was caught. Now Negrich did the right thing. He saw that ball to the turf, or at least interpreted it that way. He went back to second and tagged. Sierra is standing at second base. As the result, the Bisons do not have any of the base runners moving away from the play. And now all three umpires are going to confer on this play. Sierra right now has been called out. He's drifting away from second base. And it is a base hit. And they will award Moises Sierra second base. It is ruled a base hit. Bisons will benefit. Negrich stands at third. Sierra with his third hit today. And now the payoff pitch. Sierra pops it up off the fist. Not home run distance. May fall foul. Here it is towards the line. And that's in for a base hit. <laughs> It'll look like it would be foul, but it sliced back. The wind grabbing a hold of the baseball and spinning it back towards fair territory. And it lands in down the right field line of base hit. 2-2. Ground ball towards the middle. Base hit into center field for Sierra. He'll drive in more runs. Here comes Negrich. He's going to score. Goes with his blazing speed, scores from second on a two-run base hit for Moises Sierra. A five-hit day for Sierra. 20 runs for the herd. The 0-2. Sierra swings and pops it up. Oh, he had the home run cut there. And now a ball that's drifting and grabbed by the wind, and the third baseman, Rivero, can't find it. It'll drop in behind him. It's a six-hit day for Moises Sierra as it flops in behind the third baseman. That one was wind-aided. Let's flash back now to April 29th, 2010. Besides Bartolo Colon's no-hitter in the 1990s, R.A. Dickey turned in one of the most dominant pitching performances at Salem Field in the Herd's modern era. After giving up a leadoff base hit, the knuckleballer would retire each of the next 27 Durham Bulls. We're set to go. Fernando Perez steps in the plate and looks at a strike right down the heart of the plate for Strike number one out of the hands of R.A. Dickey. Dickey working quickly, stares in in the 0-1, is foul tipped behind the plate, and quickly Dickey is ahead, no balls and two strikes. Dickey selected at 18th overall in the 1996 draft by the Texas Rangers. Developed that knuckleball in the 2005 season. The 0-2 is swung on, and that's going to go into right field for a single. A leadoff base hit for Fernando Perez, who went 0-5 with a strikeout last night. And the 24-year-old center fielder gets the Bulls offense 
going early on. After one at-bat, the Bulls with one base runner and a leadoff single for Fernando Perez. One, two, swing and a miss! Strike three called! Perez is down on strikes, and R.A. Dickey throws a one-hit complete game shutout for the Buffalo Bisons. The Bisons would go on to win the game that afternoon, and Dickey would eventually win 11 games for the Herd's parent club, the New York Mets, in 2010, and two years later won the National League Cy Young as the senior circuit's top pitcher that season with the Metropolitans before being traded to the Toronto Blue Jays in December of that year. Those are just some of the key dates in the Herd's 35-year modern era. Stay tuned here in the Power Alley as we take a look at many more on future editions of the Power Alley podcast. That's going to do it for us here this afternoon. Again, I hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy as we all get through this coronavirus pandemic together. You can stay up to date on the very latest buys and news and even some of the great social media features like kids' activities and Friday night fireworks that we have been continuing to provide both on social media at Buffalo Bisons on Twitter. Go to Facebook.com slash Buffalo Bisons as well as finding us at Bisons.com. Again, I'm Pat Mellicaro. Thanks for joining us here in the Power Alley.